Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Jessica Chan is an animator, highly trained, state-of-the-art animation capability. I think growing up I was a bit of a ham, too shy to perform in front of people. So animation felt like a better fit where I can still act and create scenes and tell a story, but I don't have to be in front of an audience. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? I've worked at uh, Rhythm and Hues, Sony Imageworks, Disney, mostly the larger studios. Most studios are looking for people who are reliable and who are hardworking and can be counted on to deliver when asked and to make deadlines and be able to work well with the team. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is my good friend and your co-host, hopefully your good friend too by now, Fred Keating. We are back at our, we like to say, our favorite place in Hollywood, California. We're at the Chateau Marmont. Uh, yes, the iconic Chateau Marmont in uh, Hollywood, uh, stone's throw from uh, the equally iconic Sunset Boulevard, which you've taken to calling Sunset Speedway. We won't hear so much speeding today, but I have heard, uh, I don't know what kind of trench they're digging down there. A little bit of construction noise. Hopefully, if, if our listeners hear that, it won't be too distracting. No, it's it's trying to make L.A. an easier-to-navigate city. Which is a good thing. It's a very good thing, and about time. Tell us about our guest. Well, Jessica Chan is an animator, highly trained, state-of-the-art animation capability, and uh, she's here to share a number of pieces of information with us, not only her own personal story, which we're very interested in hearing, but also those helpful hints for folks a few steps behind her on the path to creating their own career. And why, there's the trench digger now. I can hear him in the distance. Hang on, I'm just going to throw a coconut over in that direction. Uh, but uh, Jessica, thank you for taking the time to join us today, and uh, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, as I had just promised our listeners, can you give us a little bit of background? How were you drawn into a career in animation, and uh, what first attracted you to it? My dad had supplied me with lots and lots of movies and cartoons to watch when I was growing up, because he loved movies as well. And we have a shared love of cheesy horror movies. But, so, but my dad exposed me to a, a wide variety of different types of movies, different genres from different cultures as well. So I watched a lot of um, Japanese cartoons. I watched a lot of Bugs Bunny. I watched a lot of Disney cartoons. And uh, one of my favorite movies is this uh, movie called uh, Batteries Not Included. And they had these little robots that would fly around. That was, I found out later, it was uh, stop-motion animation. And that's when I really wanted to pursue animation. And I think I was maybe eight or nine, or around eight or nine years old. And I'm like, I want to do this for a living. This is so cool. It looks like it's so much fun. I could play with little dolls and puppets all day. 
So, yeah, that's how I started my interest in it. Did you at that age get a glimpse behind uh, the curtain, so to speak, and, and exposed to how stop action worked? Not so much because this pre-internet days, so I was limited to whatever was available at the library. And being from an immigrant family, my family didn't speak too much English as well, so it was hard for them to help me find information. So I relied on just going to the library and asking people at the library, like, I need more information, how do I do this? I just knew that film was involved so when I was a kid I tried to build my own film camera out of toilet paper rolls and using toilet paper as film and try to run it through a box to get 24 frames per second to see the images move. Toilet paper doesn't hold up well to that. (laughs) So a lot of people with that kind of creative mindset become illustrators and and they don't have the passion for motion. What is it that that drew you into this illustrative creative discipline where you also add motion to the picture? I think growing up I was a bit of a ham but I was too shy to be to perform in front of people so animation felt like a better fit to me where I can still act and create scenes and tell a story but I don't have to be in front of an audience. Just talking a little bit now about what you're doing now and then maybe we'll get into the background of, of how you got from there to here. We're in Hollywood. You work on big motion pictures. You work for Disney. You work for Sony. You've worked... Well, Fred, tell me about... Uh, you, you have her CV in front I of I do. I was looking through it. She's and, uh, animated Elvin the Chipmunks. She's worked on Hotel Transylvania. Rapunzel, Entangled, in Disney's Tangled. In fact, it says here, animated the main character's hair in technically challenging shots and polish passes on shots. And I remember reading articles describing the skill of some animators in the hair motion in that film. They may have been talking about you. There are literally dozens and dozens of animators on some of the shots where the hair was involved. And it's just time-consuming, very nitpicky. We're trying to get the hair to move in a way that's realistic and get it into the right place and have it move correctly. It takes a certain mindset to be an animator. You have to be slightly obsessive-compulsive. And on any given film, of course, there's more than one animator, right? That that really is, is something worth mentioning. You work as a team, you work on characters and scenes, and you kind of split up the work. Yes, it's very much a, a team effort. I mean, like one movie requires hundreds of people in different departments all excelling at what they do to pull a movie together and have like a very polished and good-looking final product. What have you learned from working for the big studios? Everyone plays their part in the big studio. Everyone is actually very important and we all have to work well together to keep this big machine well-oiled and moving forward and try to make a movie that's enjoyable for everyone. And in your department, in animation, can you describe for us the the size of the team and maybe uh, something of the hierarchy of the team uh, in terms of the various tiers of obligation and responsibility? That varies from studio to studio. Every studio has their way of working, but the general way is um, 
you have your animation director who oversees just the animation, and then you have the supervisors that uh, supervise individual teams. So, say if it's a fairly large movie, like a animated feature, you might have anywhere to five to six teams of perhaps. 15 to 20 people sometimes. An animation supervisor, or some studios call them animation leads, supervises those people on their team. So you would work on a shot, and the supervisor or animation lead will look at it first before it goes up to the uh, animation director, sort of give you a little bit of notes and polish and say, oh, maybe this action should be a little quicker or should be a little slower, or maybe this acting bit isn't quite clear enough, the emotion isn't clear. After that, once your supervisor or lead uh, approves it, it gets shown to the animation director who will then either approve it or give you some more notes and you go back and go back to your desk and you address those notes and then you submit it again. Is this work then both solitary and social? Very much so. There are days where I don't talk to anyone <laughs> and I, I could go a whole day sometimes uh, and not open my mouth once. Then there's days where you're in dailies two three times a day because you need to show your shot but also if you're in an office with a few other animators there's a lot of fun going on and talking and uh, bouncing ideas off of each other and you collaborate that way. So if I'm the sort of person who's thinking, you know what, I'm an introvert, but I still want to work in the, the motion picture industry, I should become an animator, that may be a misconception. It is a misconception. Animators in general are a fairly social bunch, or fairly loud, and we do like to have a lot of, we do have a lot of fun, we goof off, but that's also how we are more creative, is through being creative through play and talk and bouncing ideas off of each other. So even though you are spending a lot of time at a computer, it is, uh, it is very much a team sport for you, right? It is. And the great thing about it is you can kind of pick and choose when you feel like interacting with people. Not a lot of people have that opportunity in terms of their own self-management of time on the job. I'm interested in how long a process it is to complete the animation for a, a full-length feature animated film? Oh, that can take quite a while. I mean, it depends on your, your schedule and the budget of the movie you're working on. And that's not really dictated by us as artists. That's dictated by production and producers, and they usually have that scheduled out and budgeted out to how long you have to work on, say, an individual shot. Every shot is budgeted for a length of time and how much money is put into it. And of course, there's unforeseen circumstances where things change and they're fluid with that, so they always build in a little bit of flexibility. So generally, uh, say a medium uh, shot, headshot, uh, with just maybe one or two characters, sometimes it only takes maybe two days or three days from beginning to end uh, for complete final animation through from blocking to work in progress to final animation so average is about three days and has the script been approved uh, by the time you start the animation or 
can you work on something for several months and then there's a script rewrite, which means a whole slew of new assignments for the animation team. That has happened before where we were working halfway through, completing maybe half the movie already, and they decided that the main, one of the main characters that we were working on, they decided to change the age of the character. So when they change the age of the character, it completely changes the way the character would move. At first they were thinking the character would be somewhat like a toddler, very young, very timid, and then they decided to change it to a teenager who was very opinionated. So that completely changes the acting in a lot of our scenes. So they actually put the movie on hold for about two, three months while it was going through rewrites, and then we started up again with a different direction. Now, Jessica, I think we're getting a pretty good feel for what your work looks like today as a professional animator, and you did start off by telling us about your life as a child and how you started to develop the interest in this field. Now, let's fill in the gaps in between. How did you get from point A to point B? While I was researching, I actually had a high school counselor who told me about uh, this school called the Vancouver Film School, and they have offered a uh, classical animation program. And classical animation meaning it's, uh, it's all hand-drawn and not done in the computer. That's right after high school. That's like I decided that's the school I wanted to go to. I mean, there were other options, but for me at the time, they were too far away. Like, uh, there's uh, another animation school called Sheridan in Toronto, but I wanted to stay in Vancouver with my family. So I went there, and I did about a year of classical animation. But right around that time, in 1999, 2000, classical animation, work-wise, took a nosedive work was was hard to find so the school was also offering a uh, a Maya program to learn uh, 3D animation and how to use the the program Maya and they said well it's only six months it's a six month long course and we're giving you a discount as well so I decided to take that and like doesn't hurt and opens more opportunities for work so I took that and then I was able to find a job right afterwards. Wow, good move. <laughs> what did it take to find the job? The instructors that we had at the Vancouver Film School, they're industry professionals as well. And uh, they had really liked my work and recommended me to a studio. And that's how I got started. So they recommended you to a studio. What did it take for you to get your foot in the door at the studio? What were they looking for? How did you sell yourself? Most studios are looking for people who are reliable and who are hardworking and can be counted on to deliver uh, when asked and to make deadlines and be able to address notes importantly and just work well with the team. You really do have to build up contacts with teachers when you're starting out, especially from school. Talk a lot to people, go to industry events for studios and uh, looking to recruit new talents. Put yourself out there and just talk to people and be nice to everyone because you never know who you're going to work with. Did you start off as an intern? Actually, I didn't. I started off at, in an entry-level position as an artist uh, at a studio called uh, Sextant Enter- Entertainment on a show called The, the Mr. Hell Show. and It was a, a British... Uh, animated series but for adults. And what are some of the other studios that you've worked with since then? 
After that, I moved to Toronto with my husband, and、uh, I worked at a st- studio called、uh, Elliot Animation, working on、uh, a TV show for kids.、Uh, it was an animated TV show called、uh, Sitting Ducks, and、uh, that went on for maybe a year, two years, and then from there, I moved on to the movie called The Wild at a company called、uh, Core. And then from there, in Toronto, we moved down to Los Angeles, and I've been here since then. And what studios have you worked for here in Los Angeles? I've worked at、uh, Rhythm and Hues, Sony ImageWorks, Disney, mostly the larger studios. I noticed you worked on a couple of、uh, projects that involved Alvin and the Chipmunks. Did you actually get to meet them on set?、Uh, were they nice to work with? Generally,、uh, as an animator,、uh, we don't actually get to go on set. It's mostly the、uh, visual effects supervisors or the animation directors that go on set to supervise. Do you enjoy the contract you mentioned? And then I moved to, and then I moved on to. Would you prefer a stable job with this a single company for years, or is there something about the Different contracts that appeals to you, because at the end of the contract, maybe another even more exciting opportunity. How do you view the the working, the daily working aspects of of your career? I think when I was early on in my career, I did want to find a a little bit of stability. It was hard making ends meet sometimes if you're in between contracts and you don't know when you're going to have your Next job, so that you can pay your bills. That that little bit of uncertainty is a little unsettling for me personally. And then, as I got older and was able to procure more work,、um, contract after contract, I felt more actually more comfortable with it. And I looked forward to finishing up on a project and seeing what else was out there. I kind of liked that, and in doing so, I have met so many people from around the world and have made so many friends that I can say that I will be friends forever with. Even though we don't live in the same city, we still talk daily through、um, instant messaging or GChat or whatnot. You mentioned that. Your husband is also an animator, and the two of you moved to Hollywood together. And he's worked for a number of the large animation studios as well. What is that like with both of you being animators? We have crazy hours. <laughs> He mostly works in animated features, and their release dates are somewhat different to the movies I generally work on. I generally work on more visual effects-heavy movies, and the release dates on visual effects movies are. Is generally in the summer, whereas for him, for Disney, their animated features release in the fall, generally around Thanksgiving, Christmas area. So whenever he has downtime, I'm in the thick of crunch, and whenever I have downtime, he's in the thick of crunch. That's not a bad way to be. I can see some advantages and disadvantages there. Oh, we we take spontaneous vacations. We usually book a he- like a week in advance of when we go anywhere. Do you pass ideas back and forth creatively as well? We're trying to work on our own things at home that's outside of work, so that we can be creative. We have more creative freedom over what we want to do. So we're in the midst of toying with making little short skits, animated skits, and.、Uh, We like working together that way. What are the various specialty areas?、Uh, your special skills 
uh, as opposed to your husband's strengths in the arena of animation? And, and do those play off each other? And when you are working collaboratively on a project, can you give us some indication of the uh, distribution of responsibility and creativity and actual fingers to the keyboard? I'm more of an ideas person, so I like to brainstorm with him to come up with more ideas and a different way of approaching uh, things and maybe some uh, more charming and cute aspects of a shot say or an idea for a story and my husband is very good at actually doing it he will actually sit down and start creating and building the the shots and building the sets and start modeling the the characters for our little skits and short films and I'm more good at creating the story Jessica we've talked a lot about animation Something I wanted to ask you is, is just maybe if you could just point to one thing that you think is incredibly important as a success principle for anyone who's working in this industry, whether they're an animator or not. Be nice to everyone. Yeah, you really want to be nice and treat people well and don't talk behind people's backs. Try to play nice with everyone. When you say you're going to do something, just do it. Address your notes. If the director asks you to address a note just do the note and yes you may disagree with the director and you may you can tell the director that well this is my point of view but do remember that this is not your movie you are being paid to do a job and your job does entail you addressing notes and taking direction well said because aren't those Marvin, the kind of recurring themes that we've heard from other guests. Yes. Almost to a T. And actually, we are running up on time here, so I think that we should ask Jessica back to do an episode and elaborate on these principles that she feels are are really important for everybody, no matter their discipline. Well, that's just like you, because you're the practical one. I was going to ask her to cast us in an animated sequence where, never mind. Can I be the chipmunk? You can be. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica, for, for the time spent. And, and do come back, please, because I'd love to explore some of the themes that uh, you started on with Marvin here. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. 